0: Thank you. And once again, greetings to students and teachers of the Word of God. We've come a long way since our first lessons on theology, the doctrines dealt with the Trinity, and our studies of Christology on God the Son. These lessons constituted about 34 hours of broadcasting, and then we had lessons about the Holy Spirit and pneumatology, lessons about man and the Bible and anthropology. And our recent series of studies have dealt with the uh, systematic theological dissertations on demonology and angelology. The subject of salvation, which we have yet to study, are called soteriology, and these make up the studies of systematic theology, sometimes referred to as dogmatic theology, in uh, in, in distinction from practical theology, which is applying what you've learned from the Bible, and biblical theology, which in which the discussions are limited to the Bible itself. Now, properly uh, we could call this series of broadcasts biblical theology, but we've systematized the theological studies and have not taken off in the order in which they appear in the Word of God. Technically speaking, biblical theology should begin in Genesis and trace the manners of progressive revelation through the Bible as each subject is dealt with where it occurs. In this sense, we have not dealt strictly with biblical theology, but more with systematic theology, taking the great theological subject separately getting first, of course, with knowledge of God, uh, the knowledge of God, the proper subject of theology, then Christology, pneumatology, and anthropology, and now angelology and demonology. Our lesson this week deals with demonology upon which a great deal of material is available. And of course, the modern uh, popular concept of demonology is found in such uh, movies as The Exorcist One, The Exorcist two, Jaws one, Jaws two, Star one, two, three, four, you know. Walking tall, one, two, three, four, five and a half. King Kong, the mighty son of Joe Kong Jr., all this and that. I mean, the love of money is the root. And so in the popular concept of demonology, we have this peculiar superstition that you can drive away demons by wooden crosses. Everything from wooden crosses to silver bullets and mirrors has been used to get rid of Dracula and Frankenstein, the demons, and this and that. But, of course, this has nothing to do with the Word of God. Now, our study is in the subject of the Word of God. We're dealing with actual facts that deal with actual realities. You could find notes on demonology from The Essentials of Demonology by Langton, Biblical Demonology by Unger, and Angels and Demons by Needham. But since none of these men know what a demon is, there isn't any particular point in looking up the notes. Perhaps the greatest work ever done in demonology is a book called War on the Saints. If you're going to obtain a copy of that, get a hold of a copy of that. It's called War on the Saints. Now, War on the Saints deals with the practical aspects of demonology, the work of demons, and how to successfully combat them and detect them. War on the saints is the standard work done on demonology. But demons are not particularly described in that either. They'll be described quite naturally in the King James authorized version, where they are translated as devils correctly, and the new Bible, not knowing what a devil or demon is, has refused to translate the word, and has simply transliterated after raising all kinds of a stink about the King James translators, not translating the word baptized, but leaving it transliterated as Baptizo. This is quite typical of the hypocritical Pharisees who spend their lives straining out gnats and swallowing camels. While well, they're worried about the mistranslation of Ecclesia as church instead of assembly, and the refusal the King James translators to translate baptized but transliterated, the inconsistent hypocrites have left the word demon untranslated, where it should be translated as devils. Now the reason why the word has not been translated devils by the modern apostate fundamentalists is because in every Christian school in America you're taught there's only one devil, but many demons. This is part of the superstitious heritage passed down from one camp to another by the Alexandrian cult, who in regard to spiritual things doesn't have the sense that God gave to a brick bat. Anybody knows there's one God, but many gods, 1 Corinthians 8, 2 Corinthians 4. There's one angel of Lord, but many angels of the Lord, Luke chapter 3, Luke chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2, Acts chapter 27. Anybody who spends any amount of time with the Word of God instead of the ridiculous commentaries knows that there is the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and many sons of God, so there certainly is one devil and many devils. As a matter of fact, Judas Iscariot was said to be a devil in John chapter 6, verse 70 to 71. So there wasn't any point in correcting the King James translation by ignorant superstitious scholars who thought that 22 years of study in Greek and Hebrew equipped them to talk like a man with an ounce of sense. You may reject their work thumbs down, face down, except the A.D. text that stands as correct, and with the disagreement that you may put them in file 13. Belief in the existence of evil spirits has prevailed among all known peoples of the world from the earliest times of which we have knowledge. Among primitive and savage people, these spirits are thought to be the departed ghosts which have come back to annoy the living or bless the living. Those professing to see demons, have seen them in human forms, at least uh, so they say, as well as animal and hybrid forms of various sorts. Ordinarily, demons or devils are invisible spirits. Jesus accepted without any objection at all the belief in the existence of devils, and the Gospel of Mark tells many a story of Jesus casting out devils. Some question whether devils and spirits exist today, but of course there always have been people who question the Word of God, and they may be classified as satanic, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now, the Bible is hazy in answering the question as to the origin of demons. Several theories have been suggested by various scholars. Some say when Satan sinned against God in Isaiah 14, 12, and Ezekiel 28, 11, that he did not sin alone, but was the leader of a group of angels. This is John Milton's famous Paradise Lost uh, kick. And according to these people, when Satan fell and he his angels were cast out, and these fallen angels had become demons... Now, of course, anybody who reads the Bible knows this is nonsense, because angels are not in the least bit like demons in any sense of the word. We had the depraved theologians of the Dark Ages who used to argue about how many angels could get in the head of a pin. Their reason for doing this is that these superstitious people thought that angels were akin to demons, and they figured since the maniac of Gadara, Mark 5, had a thousand devils or demons in him, that angels must be small enough to get in the head of a pin. You see how the snow drifts? Of course, if you read your Bible, you'd know better, but back in those days, nobody read the Bible. They believe in an infallible church, and infallible scholarship. They call it the Dark Ages. Now, in Matthew 12.26, Satan is presented as a kingdom of lesser, a king over a kingdom of lesser devils. Matthew 12.26. And this is why the King James correctly translates the word daimonion as devil, where the new Bibles are afraid to translate the word at all. Strangely enough, the new Bibles are also afraid to translate the word Hades. On the positive kick of the positive thinkers that the positive Americans are now uh, on, as they prepare for positive Roman-Soviet communism, they are afraid to translate any word that speaks negatively. You will find the word Uranos and Shemayim carefully translated as heaven in the Old and New Testament by the new translations. But when you hit the word for hell and hard ace, you find a sudden blind silence falling upon the new translators, who profess to be finding fault with the King James for not being clear. <laughs> yes, don't you know? And so this inconsistent bunch of people have failed to translate the word, words translated correctly in the King James, as devils. The reason for translating devils in the King James is also apparent when one remembers that the ancient Greeks such as Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, Euripides, and Aximander, uh, Zeno and Maximus and the rest of them, those who did believe in a spirit world, claimed to have a demon, which they called a genius. They claimed they got their superior knowledge or learning from a devil, uh, which they called a demon. And to them, the word demon not only had a bad connotation, but a good connotation. Thanks be to God for the advanced scientific revelation of the King James 1611 authorized version, which clearly points out that there's no such thing as a good demon, The New Bible leaves the word untranslated so you could make up your mind whether it was good or bad. But this is typical of the power of positive thinking that goes on today in an effort to get rid of the truth. This world has become so positive that the Supreme Court has ruled there's no such thing per se as pornography. It's all good. They've also ruled there's no such thing as an X-rated movie. You have to call it PR or R or restricted or partially restricted or parental guidance, PG, pretty gross. And they have decided that everything, since it has some good in it, is to be allowed to run loose. This is what is known as the power of positive corruption, and infects Bible seminaries and preaching more than any other place. And it simply means that the man today who is going to get by preaches on three subjects. Attendance, peace, and love. And that's how he makes a living. He makes a living off the depravity of man, the fallen natures of unsaved people, and the old corrupt nature of the Christian, which wants to hear nothing but something good. You'll find a great dissertation, this, back in the Old Testament, where Micah, the son of Imel, is taken out of prison and called to preach before a couple of kings, and these kings have been listening to the power of positive thinking through their positive-speaking, positive prophets, and these positive speaking positive prophets, who don't want to stir up anything controversial or uh, cause any trouble or splits or upset anybody or offend anybody, have all been speaking positively. First Kings chapter 22, verse 4, 5, and 6. Verse 11, 12, and 13. They all speak that is good. Micah, the son of Emma, is called out, and he dumps the load on them and reads them the bad news and tells them they're all going to get killed and the king's going to get killed and the people are going to hide and run for their lives. you know what they do to that prophet who spoke the truth? They put him in jail for negative criticism and a negative attitude. And then what he says comes to pass. So you'll find the words Hades and Daemonion, untranslated in any of the new Bibles, take any 35 recommended by any apostate fundamentalist, especially a good, godly, dedicated apostate fundamentalist. They're the most dangerous kind, the ungodly ones you can spot. Some see in Genesis 6, verse 1 to 6, angels coming to earth and cohabitating with women. And the offspring were giants, and some say that these became demons after their death. That is the giants became death, or demons. A third explanation is that demons are the spirits of a pre Adamic race that perished between the first two verses of Genesis, Genesis 1 1 and Genesis 1 2, and this is arrived at by claiming that Jeremiah 4:2326 20 26 is a reference to Genesis instead of the Tribulation. Scriptural testimony is clear that there were an abundance of devils at the time the Savior was on the earth, and today in this boasted age of science and enlightenment, we dismiss the biblical claim as a mere remnant of medieval superstition or an amusing joke, except that Hollywood takes it quite seriously. New Testament writers firmly believe in devils, not just the devil. And John Revelation 9.20 speaks of a time yet future when men will continue to worship devils. Many pagan people today are ardent spirit worshippers. And as a modern witness as to the existence of devils, you can go to Manila and you'll find the people in Manila, deem possessed people speaking through the lips of other people. You'll find that all the information given on how to talk in tongues is the exact information given for spirit mediums in any demoniac or satanic cult alive on the earth today. The fact that some of you don't know that is a testimony of your ignorance and lack of reading, and you should study a little bit more and feel a little bit less. If you go to Manila or Spain, you will find demon-possessed people whipping themselves, crawling around in broken glass to pay for their sins, cutting themselves with knives to pay for their sins, some of them hanging on crosses and wearing rough underwear to punish themselves for their sins. And these things in Mark chapter 5 and 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18 are the clear marks of of demon possession. There are no demon-possessed atheists anywhere in the Bible. There isn't one demon-possessed atheist mentioned anywhere in the Word of God from cover to cover. Every demon-possessed person in the Bible whose creed or belief is mentioned believes in one God and believes that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Mark 1, Mark 5, or any other 35 places you check. Every demon-possessed man in the Bible that states a religious creed believes in the deity of Christ and the fatherhood of God. Demons are spirit beings. In Matthew 8:16, 16, they're called spirits. In Mark 23, the devil is called an unclean spirit. So devils and evil spirits are one and the same thing. Demons are spirits that have personalities and are represented as intelligent beings. Because their supernatural knowledge, men have attempted to get advanced information from men of coming events. So fortune tellers and necromancers and so-called prophets of today, who try to prophesy outside the Bible, often consult evil spirits to get information. <clears throat> they are represented as being morally unclean, Matthew 10.1, Mark 1.27. They can give superhuman strength to demon possessed people, Mark chapter 5. They can cause dumbness, blindness, insanity, insanity and suicidal mania. The demons of the Bible, contrary to every commentary in print, are winged creatures. The devils in the Bible are demons, contrary to every commentary in the print, are certainly no bigger than the end of your finger. Mary Magdalene is said to have seven of them. The maniac of Gadara has at least a thousand, or more, depending upon what you call a legion. There are two maniacs there that share that. When the herd of pigs run down into the, dry, the wet place and commit hogicide... The first case of devil ham, you'll find there are 2,000 of them, showing each man had a 1,000 demons. Demons then could not be fallen angels, no matter what you did with the pastors. Demons then could not be spirits in the sense of just airborne piece of air, no matter what you thought. And if your teacher or professor thinks contrary, he's only displaying a lack of intelligence and a phenomenal ignorance. Demons are said to be winged creatures like the fowls of the air in Matthew chapter 13, Mark chapter 4, Revelation chapter 18, and the unclean spirit is pictured by a black bird in Genesis chapter 8 and chapter 9, and the Holy Spirit pictured as a white bird. John chapter 1, Matthew chapter 3, Genesis chapter 9. Notice how the infallible, highly scientific, authorized text corrects all Greek texts, all Hebrew texts, all English versions all commentaries, all schools, all churches, all universities, and all political programs. The demons oppose God and seek to defeat His will. They oppress man and seek to hinder his welfare. Notice in Job chapter 1, verse 12, and Luke thirteen, sixteen, 16, that the woman was oppressed by the devil for 18 years. Satan is not omnipresent in the universe, but he certainly could be at least twice as big as the solar system, depending upon how you measure Job chapter 41. His activity is regulated by devils and demons, and of course he is certainly wise enough and has enough control to take care of eight or nine states at one time, or perhaps two or three countries. Demons distress mankind by deranging both body and mind, Mark one twenty-three and Mark 5, 1 to 20. They are theological demons that teach false doctrines, and Paul warns you about these things in 1 Timothy chapter 4. The outstanding mark of the demon-possessed religion is two things. According to First Timothy chapter 4, the way you spot the demoniac religion operated by demons and demon-possessed people is, number one, they forbid marry, number two, they command you to abstain from meats. First Timothy 4, verse 1, now the spirits speak especially in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Those are theological demons. They teach Bible doctrine. And of course, the Bible doctrine they teach, they quote scripture for and run it contrary to the Bible. When Satan talks to Jesus Christ in Luke 4 and Matthew 4, he quotes scripture. So these are theological demons that teach doctrines. They're called doctrines of devils, First Timothy 4. They're taught by false apostles, Second Corinthians 11 who imitate Christ, 2 Corinthians 11, and are not real apostles, Revelation 2.2, because they don't have the apostolic signs, 2 Corinthians 12.12, although they counterfeit them, Mark 16, and the Bible calls them liars, Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. These are theological demons. Satan seems to be present everywhere at the same time on this earth because the activity devil of the devil's. We read about Satan's seat being at Pergamos in Revelation 2.13. And, of course, this was moved later in your Bible to Mr. Babylon on the seven hills. Satan operates a well-organized multitude of demons. Daniel 7.19, Revelation 12.4. His kingdom is not an unco- uncoordinated mob, but it is a highly systematized empire of evil elaborately organized. Matthew 12.26. Satan then, according to the Bible, rules over, rules over fallen man with his government of pride, ambition, selfishness, force, greed, and pleasure. John 14.30, John 18.36, Ephesians 2.2, Ephesians 6.12. Along these lines, the Old Schofield Note and the Old Schofield Reference Bible on the Summary of the Cosmos is one of the greatest biblical notes ever written. Under Cosmos Summary, that is the world system, you'll find the Old Schofield Note said that the world system is very impressive in its display and power and as beautifully organized and sometimes as outwardly splendid and often as outwardly morally righteous and religious and impressive with its armies and navies. Nevertheless, it's held together by the forces and principles of greed, corruption, vice, jealousy and envy and love of money, and in times of real crisis can only be held together by armed conflict. This is Satan's world. And that's why the three biggest wars are yet in the future. World War Three, Revelation Chapter 6, World War Four, Revelation Chapter 19, and World War Five, Revelation Chapter 20. When the salt packs are through, and the Middle East and the Near East with Sadat, and Kissinger and Mushadayan, and Brezhnev, and Kharkov and Makoff and Bukov, and Blankoff, and the next five presidents have been all through signing false papers, and lying each other, and putting under the cover table, under the covered table deals, Get ready for World War III, World War IV, and World War V. You say, Why are you so sure about that? Because they're given in the King James Bible. And when the King James Bible speaks, the newscasters simply don't know what they're talking about. Therefore, if you hear them prophesying peace and the possibility of peace in the Near East or the Far East or the Middle East, or the Northeast or the Southeast or the Midwest or the West East, or the East East by Northeast Eastern, or the Northeast by South Southeast, put it down and spell after it. B A L O N E Y. That's the original English. The three biggest wars are just ahead. Now the doom of the devil, like that of Satan, was sealed by Christ and Calvary. They're punished in the lake of fire, and Christ said, Depart from me, you cursed an everlasting fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels. The devils know their doom is coming. They say to Christ in Matthew 8:29, what have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God? Art thou come thither to torment us before the time? All right, then, let's study for a moment before we go off there here today on the forms of demon practice. These fall under about six headings divination, necromancy, prognostication, magic, sorcery, and witchcraft. One of the best works in this is the work by Kurt Koch, the German theologian called Between Christ and Satan. Kurt Koch. K-O-C-H, in Germany, pronounced Koch. All right, divination. This is the ability, supposedly, with the aid of familiar spirits or demons, to foresee or foretell the future. Leviticus 20.27 is the warning against it. In the Old Testament theocracy, such a one was put to death. Necromancy is a form of devil worship. This is contacting a dead body, as Saul did, when he tried to contact Samuel. 1 Samuel 2.8. This is the hang of sin in God's sight, according to Leviticus 20, verse 6. The next form of devil worship is prognostication. This includes divination, idols, and inspection of the entrails of thousands and animals, and is carried out in modern times by such things as uh, palmistry and phrenology, the reading of the head lumps and the hands. Magic, which was a great science in Egypt, entailed a mixture of science, astronomy and astrology, and demoniac uh, works. This is practiced today in the form of hypnotism, mind cures, fortune telling, and various other forms. We have sorcery then, which involved formulas on astronomy, chemistry, and familiar spirits, and especially the use of drugs. The word is pharmaceutical, a pharmaco ke- oh, in the Book of Revelation. You can read about this in Isaiah 47:9 and Acts 19:18. Witchcraft is plainly complicity with evil spirits. This is condemned in Galatians chapter 5:20 because it is essentially devil worship and is counted as rebellion, 1 Samuel 15, verse 23. Now, four tests will assist in the recognition of demon possession and demon influence. Number one, those connected with evil spirits like to work in the dark. Did you notice that? They want the sun to go down the lights to turn low. Did you notice that? When you notice that, how did you forget the scripture that said men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil? In recognizing devil possession or devil influence, number two, the spirits deny the personality of Satan as an evil being. There isn't one false religion that came from overseas to this country that's really false, connected with devil worship, that doesn't tell you there's no such thing as an absolute being that's absolutely wicked. That is... There's only influences and pressures. Devil possessed people hate the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the expression, the blood of Christ. They will use the term Christ because that term is also a title of Satan in Ezekiel 28, Christos, Mashiach, or Anointed One. And many of them will often use the term Jesus by itself, forgetting that the confession was that the name of every name that is Jesus is to be confessed that Jesus is the Lord. And so, although you find men saying, Jesus, Jesus, sweet Jesus, precious Jesus, my Jesus, they're mighty thin when it comes to talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, they deny that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, First John 4.3. There are some suggestions you can find the Bible will be helpful in casting out demons. First of all, resist Satan in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's best to use the Savior's full title, Lord Jesus Christ, because after all, there are many human beings whose name is Jesus pronounced Jesus, in Spain, Italy, and South America and Mexico. There are many false saviors who turn the term Christ, and he said they'll come in his name, Christos Mashiach, an anointed one. Uh, the Moonies have one, and there are several others running around, like Ramakrishna. So the best thing you do is say, the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray in faith believing, get as many others as possible to pray with you. Fast if the demon is stubborn, he said a certain kind come forth uh, don't come forth except by prayer and fasting, and saying and speak much about the blood of Jesus Christ. We read in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And finally, when casting out demons, it's a good idea to cast them out of yourself, as well as try them on anybody else. The idea you can't cast demons out of yourself is a false idea within itself. I mean, it's very clear from the Word of God, you certainly can cast out uh, demons, and it's very clear if there are many of them around, as professed to be, in the Word of God, you can get infested at any time. In closing, let me remind you this broadcast can be picked up on a radio in a room, which shows the airwaves are going to that room right now. Let me remind you that through your body and through your mind right now are passing two or three television programs, 50 or 60 a.m. broadcasts, 8 or 9 f.m. broadcasts, and God knows how many shortwave broadcasts. If you have the equipment in your head to pick up these broadcasts, resistors, condensers, and tubes and transistors, you could pick them up at the same time because they are waves that pass through the air. This is in the same frequency as devils or demons, which means at any time, all the time, the Christian is constantly exposed to invisible forces at work in him to get him to sin or disobey God. You're never safe a moment. Put on the whole armor of God, be sober, be watchful, be wide awake, say in your toes, plead the blood of Christ, Thank the good fight of faith, and lay hold on eternal life. You have it now as a present possession, lay hold of it. May God help you to obey the Scriptures. All right, our next lesson we'll take up uh, on the Theological Seminar of the Year. We'll deal with Satan's attacks against Christians. And the ways in which these things are accomplished. We trust you'll tune in then and study with us on the Theological Seminar of the Air.